Good morning. Uh, the first reading today is taken from the second book of, cha of Samuel, chapter 23, and it's verses 8 through to 17, all of which is on page 331 of the Bibles. David's Mighty Men. These are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb Bashebeth, a Tachmanite, who is chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men, whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shamar, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shamar took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. During harvest time, three of the thirty chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gates of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. This is the word of our Lord. The second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 to 28. And it's found on page 984 of the Church Bible. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. I learnt a lesson this week. I sent a text to somebody and I put the wrong punctuation mark at the end of it. And 
and it all came down to these. Um, I've only just recently got glasses. Um, so when you look at this pile of paper worriedly, it's because I've had to print it really big. Um, but um, welcome to those particularly who've come specifically for remembrance today. Um, and obviously we gather together to remember um, with both poignancy and celebration. Poignancy to remember those who've lost their lives, but also celebration at what they fought for in terms of the freedom that we have today. There is, of course, still sadness that there are many wars and fighting still going on around the world today. And there are some in this congregation today who will have experienced some of that firsthand. I think it would be impossible for any of us to try and imagine how difficult it is to come to terms with some of that. But also, as Christians, I think other people find it difficult to understand how we can be part of the military and ask, how is that possible? I was once asked the question, how can you be a Christian in the Navy? My response today would be the same as it was then. That God needs his people to be in positions to be a force for good and that we act according to his will. That doesn't mean that other people don't do good things, but it says that God is calling us um, to be his servants. And of course it applies elsewhere as well, but today we're remembering that freedom which was fought through war. So let us pray for a moment. Dear God our Father, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for what you call us to be. And as we look at um, bits of your words today, we ask that you will take my words and use them so that people will hear what you want them to hear. Amen. So today's Old Testament reading is also set against the backdrop of war. And we hear about a group of men referred to as David's mighty men. Well done, Alex, um, who said to me earlier in the week, is it really that reading? Because I don't want to say all those names. Um, but, um, unfortunately it was, but well done. Um, what I also think is difficult um, about the Old Testament at times is that there's a conflict, there's a constant battle going on, but in the midst of that battle, we're also taught about or being told about God's purpose. When we think about David, it's usually the story of the shepherd boy using a sling to topple a giant in the form of Goliath and subsequently becoming king. What we don't often dwell on are the realities of the conflict that surrounded him both before and during his time as king. If we stop to picture this, what would we see? A nice colouring sheet for Sunday school. A cartoon for the school assembly. Or something that shocks us with the reality of war. The mighty men were most certainly hardened warriors. But as we look at them for lessons, I want us to consider three main thoughts. Firstly, who was David that he deserved to be served in such a loyal way? Who were the mighty warriors that were willing to die for their leader? And then thirdly, as we look forward to the New Testament reading, what is the link between that and what Jesus had to say to us in Matthew? 
So, firstly to David. Um, anybody watch EastEnders? Coronation Street, Emmerdale? Can't stand it. It's always on in my house, but that's a consequence of having a wife and four daughters. Um, but there's always a fight, there's always a squabble, some people are being killed, there's lust, there's, there's all sorts going on. Um, but actually, a bit of advice, I'd probably say, turn the telly off and pick up that, because that's exactly what's going on at the time of David. Um, it's quite exciting, um, but it also can be quite shocking. Um, but, you know, it's, it's well worth um, the read. The bit that we're at today is really in Samuel, the way Samuel puts it across, is very much like an epitaph at the end of the story of David as we go through the Bible. If you want to read it in a chronological term, go to Chronicles. And, but here in 2 Samuel, it's much more about remembering some people who deserved to be mentioned um, in time. But the reason I wanted to consider David is to highlight a few of his qualities such that we can understand better why the so-called mighty men might follow him. David, as we've already highlighted, started as a shepherd boy. But that says he was pretty much ordinary, like you and me. One difference, of course, is that he was anointed to be king of Israel. But that doesn't mean that God isn't anointing us to be something else for him as well. And the event of his anointing took place many years before he actually became king. And in today's world, we'd probably turn to social media and be a bit of an activist and say, hey, look, I've been anointed king. Who's going to help me? And let's get on with it. But that wasn't David's way. The long years between his anointing and him coming to his kingship were actually there for a reason. That reason being that God actually wanted him to learn a bit more. And that was about his leadership of his people. And two particular qualities um, that I like about David in this passage is firstly, his patience. That big gap of, of several years, he had opportunities to take it into his own hands where he could have killed Saul and then taken the throne himself. David resisted that, even though some of his soldiers were trying to encourage him to do so. Secondly, he sought God's will. But he sought God's will before acting. And quite often, we can quite quick sometimes think about, oh, well, God wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it today. But actually, with that patience, we need to seek God's will to understand not just what he wants us to do, but when he wants to do it. The second um, group, of course, is the mighty men. So who were they? Um, I won't ask Alex to read it again. And there are some variations between the accounts in Chronicles and 2 Samuel. It doesn't need to be a specific list of exactly 30 men or 3 and 30 men. What we do know is that there were a group of people who may well have been, or this may well have been, a roll call of special forces or elite forces. And the variations are to do with um, people becoming promoted as other people were killed in battle. But on one occasion, three of the mighty men, we don't know which three, were visiting David in the cave. 
The Philistines were nearby, they'd surrounded Bethlehem, and the, the three mighty men heard David say, do you know what, I could really do with a pint from the victory bar at Fratton Park. Um, but Fratton Park's being surrounded by Southampton fans. Um, it, was, uh, it was much worse than that, but I'll just put that as an illustration today. Um, if I said that to you now, you'd probably say, well, there's coffee at, um, we'll check the time, there's coffee shortly, you'll be pleased to know. Um, and therefore, um, I would wait for that. We can't be entirely sure why they went and did it. In the first hand, they could have done it just out of loyalty to David and they wanted to do something for David. Um, I keep being distracted. There's a Royal Marine in the room and I reckon that they were just like Royal Marines. They did it because they could and they wanted to show off to prove that they were better than everybody else. Um, and, and I think there's a bit of that in there. Stop smirking at me, Joss. Um, if they'd failed, we'd probably be talking about foolishness today. Um, but they didn't. They succeeded. So we talk about bravery. But what did David do when he brought the water back? He poured it out to the Lord. Now, there's no suggestion that our three Royal Marines were annoyed by this because they might well have gone, I can't believe it, we've just done that, and you're pouring it out, you're not even drinking it. But what that was, was David demonstrating that that gift and that offering to him was not the offering that was deserved to God. And therefore, in doing that, in offering it back to God, he was demonstrating that God himself was far greater than he, David, was. If I was to pick, to summarise the, the three mighty men, if I was to pick two features of them, it would be their loyalty and their willingness to die for their king. And for us today, as much as for the followers of David, it's important for us to recognise who we have to give our loyal, to, loyal service to, but also determine how far we're willing to go um, for, with that loyalty. So if we then look on to the New Testament and Jesus' words, we see that he says, who would lose his life must take up their cross and follow me. And is there a link between that and the Old Testament? Well, yes, of course there is. Because Jesus is part of the same promise that God gave to his people in the Old Testament when they were on the road to Jerusalem. Under David's rule, they had a time of peace. Unfortunately, that peace was imperfect because at that point, they had not yet met Christ. So for us today, in comparing David's journey to Jerusalem and our journey to heaven, we have to recognise that at David's time, there was imperfection, but today we have the opportunity to serve a king who is perfect. So, jumping forward to where about a thousand years, that's who David would have seen and who his people would have served. So to summarise those three sets of people, 
David was a great leader. He'd been appointed by God, yet he still remained patient. He was willing to learn his leadership and he was willing to communicate with God to determine God's will. That was for the timing as much as for the outcome as well. The mighty men set for us an example of bravery, but perhaps also the need to listen to the order more carefully, royal. And to Jesus, the embodiment of the perfection that David was not, to whom we should offer our loyalty and service. So what are we going to do about it? If we want to reach the heavenly Jerusalem, first of all, we must acknowledge who Jesus is and know that he is worthy of our obedience. Next, we have to be a mighty person for God. That means standing out as a Christian. The mighty men stood out as David's soldiers. We must stand out as Christians. Don't shy away from talking about your faith. It's only difficult once. And like David, we should be proactive in seeking God's will. David spoke to others for prayer, for guidance and support. And for us, why not take time with some of your Christian friends and dedicate some of that time to prayer and sharing with one another? Life groups, there's, uh, there's always an advert for life groups, but it's there. It's an opportunity for us to seek God's will, gain strength from one another, but also there's a bit of accountability in there. So in my weakness, I hope I've spoken some of God's words to you. The stories in the Old Testament are really, really exciting. Um, and I'm going to do another plug for something else that is coming up in church, and that's a, a week in which we're going through the Bible in a week. Um, and, and Adam, have you, you haven't given that notice yet, have you? No, no. but there will be a notice about that, so listening to that. Um, so I'll finish by reminding you of that, um, and also say, turn off the telly, pick it up. Amen.